Welcome to Water and Stone Podcast. You are listening to episode 108. Our Sunday worship service for March 10th, 2019 is titled Marked. It's the first in the series, Keep It Real. Your heart knows what to do. So our scripture today comes from Luke 2, 49. And he said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? I love that part. I love that part because it's a sentiment. It's a story that is echoed over and over again. It's part of the plot of the original Home Alone. It's a story that we hear a lot. Anytime, in fact, there's a story about how people have got to find the one thing. They've got one job. They've got to find the one thing that's going to make everything okay. It's the, it's the echo that you see in things like the Maltese Falcon or in a movie where they're trying to find the Holy Grail or anything where they're looking for that one thing. And that story, that sentiment, that archetype starts right here with this story. You know the deal. You know the story. Mary and Joseph and little Jesus, he's 12, leave Nazareth and they go to Jerusalem to do Passover because that's what you do. And they make the big pilgrimage, the big caravan to go do that. Kind of a spiritual Lollapalooza. Everybody goes and does the thing. And then they, uh, they come home. And it's a long journey and there's this long caravan of people from Nazareth and friends and family and everybody. The whole village is there. The whole town is there. Everybody's there. But they get a day or so into the journey and they realize that one person who's not there kind of important. And it's that wonderful moment where I can imagine Mary says to Joseph, Did, do you have the kid? You know, the kid, capital K kid? You got him? I thought you had him. And it's that home alone moment. It's that, it's that thing. And... It's a thing that maybe we know about when you've been looking for something. It's a feeling that we feel when there's a missing space. And so they go back to Jerusalem and they look everywhere, everywhere. I mean, what would you do? They look everywhere and it takes them three days. And there's an important number. Three days comes up a lot. We'll get to that later. Put a pin in that. They spend three days looking everywhere they can think to look. Except the one spot that, you know, maybe they should have looked. Isn't that always the way? And finally they go to the temple and it turns out little Jesus has been there for the whole three days. And the Bible says he's been answering questions and everybody was impressed at how much he knew. Which is pretty noteworthy given that he's 12, given that he didn't go to school for this. Very impressive. But the Bible seems to indicate that that's not even the impressive part. The impressive part is not the data. Isn't that always the way? The impressive part is not the data. The impressive part is the questions that he asked. The impressive part is being able to take the information that you've given and take it to a new place. That's kind of his thing. It's kind of your thing. That's when something amazing happens. And of course, Mary and Joseph open the door and they see little Jesus there and they say... Come on, what are you doing? I'm paraphrasing. What are you doing? You're driving your mother crazy. A little guilt trip never hurts anybody. But Jesus, being Jesus, doesn't fall for the guilt trip. He kind of says, why were you even hunting around for me? I mean, remember me? Christmas? Remember Christmas? I'm kind of, uh, this is my job. I'm here for a reason. Maybe this should have been the first place you looked. Why was it a scavenger hunt? Why was this the, the weirdest version of it's a mad, 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 mad world when you knew right where to find me? 
Why are you looking anywhere else? Wouldn't it have occurred to you that I should have been in my father's house the whole time? Hmm. And the Bible says that Mary and Joseph liked the answer and everybody was so impressed with the answer and all that. But the Bible was very careful to say that they didn't exactly get it. As though, yeah, it's a start. It's kind of what's being said there. And I'm okay with that. Because there's something magical about just making a start. And like I said, this is not just a story about Mary and Joseph and Jesus and Jerusalem and Nazareth and Passover and the whole thing. This is a story about you. Like I said, this is a feeling that maybe you have felt. Mary and Joseph had one job. I mean, really, one job. Keep the kids safe. Kind of important job. Messed up the one job. <laughs> if you've ever felt like you didn't know, if you've ever felt lost, removed from the answers, if you've ever felt like, what's the point of all of this? Maybe you know that feeling of, I have one job. I know I was put here for something. Even Einstein said, God doesn't play dice with the universe. There's no accidents. I know there's a reason. I just don't know what it is. I feel separated, lost from my, my one job. You know that feeling. It's your story. But isn't that always the way? The thing is, if you want to unlock the, the, the real meaning of the Bible, and as it turns out, if you want to unlock the real meaning of anything, remember that along with the fact that it's a story about Mary and Joseph and Jesus and all of those wonderful things that happened, it's not a story about the past only. It is also, alongside of that, a story about you. Everything that is going on in the Bible is going on somewhere in your heart. And if you know that, if you look at your Bible and you go, wait a minute, this has got something to tell me. It's not a novel anymore. It's a textbook. Something amazing happens. And that is true not just of the Bible, although it's especially true there. It's true of everything. Something amazing happens when we get off the bench. We say, wait a minute, this moment, this conversation, this song on the radio, this thing, this life has something to tell me. What if this has something to tell me? I know that's tricky and, in fact, downright heroic in a culture that emphasizes distraction. But what if you put your phone down and just go, wait a minute. If God happens on purpose and I am a child of God, I can do the math here. Maybe I need to happen on purpose in my life. What if I just engage? What if I just get off the bench for a minute? Because there is a part of your story that is very much like what Mary and Joseph are going through where they're hunting for it. How do I do my one job? How do I find my purpose? And there's a part of you that is just like our way shower. Because the thing is, your story is a story of this search, this journey. But this, your story is also a story of being the answer. The thing is, as a child of God, you were marked from the very beginning. As a child of God, there was something special about you, something that only you can do. There's no accidents. There's room for you to do your thing. It's time to do it. It's time. And that's kind of the message. And one of the reasons I picked out this story, as we get ready for Easter, I've picked out a few stories that I think are noteworthy. I mean, all of the stories are important. And I'd love for you to be well-versed in all the verses, you know, that sort of thing. But I picked out some that I think are especially helpful as we get ready for Easter. And this one 
is really important because this is, a, this is really the first sort of crossing the Rubicon story. Now, you've heard me talk about that, crossing the Rubicon. It means point of no return. Here's a stake in the ground, no going back, that kind of a thing. And this is really the first time at 12 years old, he's different. <laughs> There's no going back. Everybody knows now this is a public moment. Now think about the things that you might have said at 12 years old when you got in trouble, when you weren't someplace where your parents thought you were. I mean, Jesus could have gone down the whole, you're not my real dad thing. I'm not taking out the garbage. I'm the Messiah. But none of that. This is an important moment. This is a crossing the Rubicon moment. But when you think about it, it's only the first of many of those moments. That's kind of Jesus' style. If you want to really go, is this idea, is this teaching, is this moment a spiritual thing, is this a Christian thing, ask yourself, does it validate my current set of ego expectations or does it challenge me and ask me to get up and move and do a new thing? Because you know that every time Jesus spoke, it was about go do a new thing, break through the boundaries, go experience something, go be more because you are more, go do the thing, challenge over and over again. It is the hallmark of his ministry. Cross the Rubicon. I love that story about him healing the leper. Everybody knows that. Even if you're not a Bible person, if you know anything about Jesus, if you've seen any movie, you kind of know, he's got a thing with lepers. He helps them out. Everybody has experienced that. But this is important. I mean, he gets in trouble because he's healing on the Sabbath, and that's a big no-no. Unless you happen to be a healer, <laughs> you're supposed to do that thing. We'll go there later. But it's also a big deal because I don't know what you know about lepers in the Bible, but it's kind of a problem. If you are a leper in that time, when you go into a new town, you got to shout to everybody. Hey, everybody, leper coming. Everybody stand back. I have a problem. Nobody look this way. Certainly nobody touch me. If you got a bell, you ring the bell. If you got something loud to bang, you bang the thing. You tell everybody. Everybody needs to know when you walk into a room. It's a little bit like liking disco. you got to tell everybody so they know right away who, what kind of person you are. Untouchable. And so here's Jesus who we know from all the stories can heal through the power of the spoken word, can heal at a distance, can heal without even being in the same room. Right? You know the stories. But he makes a big deal about going up and touching the leper. Why? The reason is because over and over again, Jesus Christ's mission and ministry was we are not going to have this boundary here, guys. If there is going to be a miraculous moment, if we're going to remember who we are as children of God, we got to drop some stuff. We've got to let go of our current set of expectations. We've got to get past all of our fear. That's what it's about. Life is not what you thought it was. It's so much more than that. And each and every moment, every molecule, every atom of the story has to do with getting past what you expect. I mean, Jesus wasn't where Mary and Joseph expected him to be. And when you think about the big moments in your life, when you fell in love, when the thing worked out, when the, wow, the good parking space, whatever it was, big or small, when you think about the noteworthy moments in your life, most of the time they were something you didn't expect. What if there's a lesson there? What if, and this is almost what Jesus is saying to Mary and Joseph, he's almost saying, hey, what if it's not about your expectations? Ask yourself, what if it's not about your expectations? Or I'll put that a different way. 
This is a little bit, this might feel like a rough concept, but stick with me. Because you know me well enough to know I'm not talking about blame or guilt or anything like that. But here's the deal. You and I and everybody else are already getting the life that we expect. You and I and everybody else are already getting the life that we expect. Because think about it. If God is God, then the stop or the, the clog in the pipes ain't up there. Like I said, we're not going to a place of guilt or blame. We're going to face it so that we can move past it. This is not about getting the thing that my ego already expects. This is not about validation. This is about challenge. If I want to live a miraculous life, miracles mean breaking boundaries. This isn't about what Mary and Joseph expects. This is about something more. And if you want a life that works for you on that level, ask yourself, what can I challenge? And the thing is, it's going to happen to you whether you like it or not. If you know me, you know the story. I'll tell the quick version because I tell it all the time. I can't help it. I'm sorry if you've heard it before. You're going to hear it again. When Jenny and I were young, just getting our start, she came to me and she said, guess what? <laughs> You're going to be a dad. And uh, I said, guess what? Uh, I'm not. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I think my exact phrase was, let's not affirm that. Yeah. I thought that's how it worked. And look, it's not that I didn't want to be a dad. I just didn't feel ready. It's just too big. You know, you have those moments where that thing that I want, whether it's something magical like that or just something like a promotion or asking for somebody's phone number, whatever it is, that breakthrough moment feels too big. I can't do it. You know you're supposed to. You know it's happening even, but you can't do it. And that's what I felt. It's not that I didn't want to be a dad. I just felt like this is way too big for little old me. I don't know any, anything. Anything. And my wonderful wise wife said, well, you can affirm that all you like, but we're going to the obstetrician now. <laughs> and we went. And I saw on a little screen this thing that looked like a kidney bean that had a heartbeat. And man, oh man, whether you're ready or not isn't the point. <laughs> it's not about whether your ego's ready. Because you know what? Your ego's never going to be ready. Your ego's job is to hold on. There's never a right time for the breakthrough. Just do a thing. Or the thing will be done unto you. <laughs> so there's this bean. And I felt everything change. And I realized that what I thought was important just wasn't. And look, I'm not going to say that all of a sudden I became super dad. I'm still not super dad. I have made and will continue to make monumental, colossal mistakes. Part of my job is to save up enough money so if they need therapy, I can pay for it. <laughs> Half kidding. I'm not saying I'm a perfect dad, but in that moment, with that bean with the heartbeat, I was in. I'm not done. But I'm committed, man. It's the truest thing about me. I'm a dad through and through. I don't know what, all it, what any of it means. And people will come to me, my two little people who aren't so little anymore will come to me with questions. And I don't know, but I try because I love. That's the point. If you want your life to be changed, it means going past your expectations. If you want your expectations to change, you've got to find something that will pull you out of your comfort zone. That's the math. In other words, love something. Step one, love something. Love something so profoundly that it pulls you out of what you know. Love something. Doesn't matter what at first. Kids are great at pulling you out of your comfort zone. Parenthood is profoundly uncomfortable. Doesn't matter what. Love something. 
and it will pull you out. And that's a big deal because so much of spirituality, so much of religion, so much of our culture is dedicated to making you feel comfy. Think about how many churches you can go to where they say, you know what, I know exactly what's going to happen in the future. I'll tell you everything. You don't need to worry about anything. You don't need to, I can tell you everything. How many people pretend to be psychic because the idea is that way everything is covered? How many people read books so that they can have all of the facts so that they know? Well, guess what? You can never know what's actually important because the future is God's job, not yours. And when you try to do God's job, you end up messing it up. You don't know. You can't know. You don't want to know. It ain't your job. Magic happens when you quit trying to do that. Something happens when you stop having God be your co-pilot and you let God drive. Get out of the way. Love something so much that it pulls you out of your comfort zone and things will change. And like I said, it's going to happen one way or another. It happened to Mary and Joseph. And it's okay that, that they started with what they were comfortable with. They realized that they didn't have Jesus with them. And they started with their own comfort zone. It's okay that they started by asking their friends and relatives, have you guys seen little guy beard? Probably didn't have a beard yet. <laughs> you seen him? They asked around. They started with people they were comfortable with. They went to friends. They went to distant friends. They went to whatever they could think of. It took them a while to get back to that place. But the intention was pure. It's just the application was a little bit shady. Maybe you've been trying your best and your intention is good and you just need to find a different way to honor it. Your heart knows what to do. It might just be that you've been doing it in a way that you're comfortable with when it's time to get uncomfortable. So they went to the temple. And there's that wonderful cosmic, I could have had a V8 Kaiser Soze moment where it all kind of falls into place. Wait a minute. God's kid may be God's house. Why don't we look here? And the message for you and me is a simple one. You ready? Step two. Step one, love something. Step two, recognize that your journey has been a spiritual journey all along. It might have seemed like a material thing. I want to get to the top of the corporate ladder. Well, why really? And if you go why and why that and why that, you realize it's because you want to be happy. You don't want to worry. That's spiritual stuff. Money can't get you there. I want to be in a relationship. Why, 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 why? You'll get back to a place where you realize it's about love with a capital L. Every journey is a spiritual journey. And if you get in touch with big questions and big concerns, you get to that moment of I could have had a V8 a lot faster. But like I said, start where you start. I heard a parable once of a guy that decided that the world was a terrible, cruel place, that everybody in it was no good, and so he decided to board up his house. Boarded up every window, every door. He covered the chimney. Every single part of it. I'm just going to board it all up. I'm going to lock it. I'm going to cover it with wood. I'm going to put a keep out sign. I'm going to keep one place open. And he left the kitchen window over the sink open because he hoped that that way he could get food delivered because Uber Eats is a thing. And he decided that that's how he would interact with the outside world. Just that one little window over the sink. And over time, fortunately, there were people that wanted to be nice to him, that wanted to bring him food, that wanted to talk to him. And so they did, and they came and talked to him. And over time, he decided, because that's where he lived, that this is the only way that humans interact with each other, through the kitchen window. And he wrote a book about it. And he started a school about the kitchen window school and a church about the kitchen window church. And all of a sudden, a whole society springs up around the idea that that's the only way to communicate. Sound familiar? 
Well, it's every story, really. It's the, the essence of the blind man and the elephant. It's the essence of the cave in Plato's Republic. It's the essence of so many stories. What's your version? I don't know about you, but I can think back to plenty of times in my life where I thought the only way good could happen, the only way communication could happen or sharing or miracles or whatever it was, the only way it could happen is through this narrow aperture of my expectations. Start where you start, but understand that once you really love something and once you recognize that, wait a minute, this isn't about my answers, this is a spiritual journey, something will come to you that will start to pry the boards loose. Find it. It's okay to start where you start, just don't stay there for too long because it's boring. I'll put that another way. Everybody is doing their impression of God. It's a weird thing to say, but stick with me. Everybody is doing their impression of God. In other words, you cannot, for example, love anybody any more than your idea of what love is. You can't experience the world, have relationships with other people, work your job, do your thing, be healthy, any bigger than your biggest idea. As it turns out, the way you act every day is your impression of how the universe is. You are doing your impression of God all the time. And it's just like a little kid who puts on daddy's shoes and tries to pretend like their dad with these giant shoes on. You can get mad at the kid, but that's weird. Or you can go, oh, isn't that cute? You're trying your best. Maybe we have a bigger idea that daddy is not just a pair of big shoes. That your idea of God doesn't have to be one of hate and fear and separation. If I get a bigger idea, I get a bitter, bigger experience. That's how it works. Now, you can go some important places with that. I think that this has a lot to do with something like forgiveness. And this is something we've talked about before. If you recognize, you know what? Everybody in my life, they were just doing their best according to their biggest idea of what God is or love or whatever. It doesn't even matter if they use the word God. They were just doing their best based on their definition. We've talked about that. And you can forgive people that way. That's beautiful. It's essential, in fact, because you can't prosper until you forgive. And you can get to a place where you forgive yourself. You look back at the silly things that you did and you go, you know what, I was just doing my best. I had a weird set of definitions. Okay, fine. You can start to let go and start to forgive and start to move on. That's great. That's key. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. Because there's forgiveness and there's forgiveness. And you and I and everybody comes to a moment where we recognize that it's important to forgive other people and it's important to forgive ourselves. But people come to a moment where they realize that it's time to forgive God. Now, that sounds like a funny thing to say, but think about it with me. Once again, if God is God, if life with a capital L is happening all the time, if God doesn't run out of time or money or whatever, if it's just God, if God is not just infinite, but infinity itself, not just answers, but knowing itself, if God is God, then where is the clog in my life? As it turns out, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I didn't write that. So when I look at my life and I look at the, the times when it wasn't working out so well, I can only conclude that the problem that I experienced was that I had a very small idea of what God could do for me. And I have to come to a place of forgiveness where I go, God, you know, I didn't think you could handle it. I thought that I was supposed to be small and so I didn't think big thoughts about what was possible. That's a forgiveness moment where I realize that it's not that God needs it. It's not that God gets his feelings hurt. 
Probably my impression, pretty good. But rather, it's time for me to get over some stuff. Let us get to the place where we can forgive God for thinking small things. You know what, God? I've decided to have a bigger idea about what you can do in my life. I've decided that for once I'm not going to be afraid because we, this relationship, deserves more than that. It's time to forgive. It's time to forget. It's time to move on. Forgive yourself. Forgive somebody else. And forgive your idea of God. If you want a bigger life, reform your God thought. That's how it works. Every time. Every time. Like I said, if you've ever experienced loss, if you've ever experienced uh, the feeling of not knowing, if you've ever experienced that kind of pain, you know exactly what Mary and Joseph were going through. It's just a different version of the same thing. People are working on all kinds of stuff, but I got good news for you. <laughs> I don't know how to say this any other way. The reason for the freak out is the clue you need to solve the problem. I don't know how else to say it. The reason for the freak out will give you the clues you need to solve the problem. Here's what I mean. Mary and Joseph are freaking out because they lost their kid. But remember that kids are kind of raised by the whole tribe. They weren't really all that worried about it. They knew he was with somebody safe. That wasn't the problem. There were lots of kids running all around the caravan and stuff. That wasn't the deal. Culturally speaking, that wasn't the problem. They were freaking out because this is God's child given to us. That's the problem. The thing that they're freaking out about is that it's God's kid. But the clue that you need is, wait a minute, God's kid, God's house. If we look in the place we're supposed to look, now we know what to do. The reason for the tension, the stress, the thing that's worrying you is the clue for getting over the thing that's worrying you. If you're worried about love, well, you know what you need to do. Find ways to be more loving. Find ways to love. Think about love. Celebrate love wherever you see it. Decide that love is bigger than your expectations. Give yourself to love just like the song says. If you're worried about money, well, now you know what you need to do. Let go of that and find ways to give. If you're worried about your job, find out how to work with honor. You have the solution. It is the seed of the thing that's bothering you in the first place. The reason for the freak out, now you know why I said it like that. The reason for the freak out is the clue you need to solve the problem. Every time. And that's good news. Because I don't know what you're working on, but it's nice to know that you have a place to start. And it's all about starting. Hmm. Like I said, there's lots of people that will tell you, here's how to be done with this, and here's how to know everything. But I give unto you a new commandment. Are you ready? There's no done. <laughs> I'm sorry. It would be great if I could tell you, buy these books and do this seven easy payments and this thing, and you will be done. But do you want that? I mean, gross. My father works and I work, says Jesus. Over and over again, I don't want to hold still. Who wants to hold still? What part of you holds still? When something happens, it's beautiful and magical. They call it a moving experience because you move. When you really love something, you move. Who wants to hold still? Who's got time for it? Let us decide that done is not a virtue. It's not even a possibility. Let us decide to be about our Father's business. In other words, it's not about holding still. Can you imagine being in a relationship with somebody going, well, I said I love you once. That's off the list. Enjoy solitude. 
It's a process. The whole thing is a process. When little Jesus is in the temple, it's not that he's done. And in fact, over and over again, in so many words, he says, look, this is infinite. This journey continues. Jesus is not done. He's at the beginning of his journey. And in a way, you are at the beginning of yours. Be okay with the idea that this is just about making a start. Now, Jesus is in the temple for three days, and you've heard that number before. We're getting ready for Easter. We'll talk about that three days in a few weeks. Jonah's in the belly of the big fish for three days. Jesus says, if you destroy the temple, I will raise it up again in three days. What's the deal with three days? Is it one for every stooge? What's going on? Three days just means as long as it takes. That's all. It's not mystical. It just means as long as it takes. We're not talking about a 24-hour period. How long is it going to take for your miracle? As long as it takes. But I'll tell you one thing, it's a lot shorter when you get out of the way. What's it going to take for my growth, for my breakthrough, for the winning lotto ticket? What's it going to take for the thing to work out? It's going to take as long as it takes. But that process is a lot shorter when I realize that I should have started by looking in the temple. Look in your heart. Right here and right now, you have been marked for greatness by virtue of whose child you are. Right here and right now, the thing that's bothering you, that's eating at your heart, is God saying, go do exactly that thing. You're looking for the child of God? Go find the child of God in the heart, in the temple of your heart. You're looking for love? Go be love in your world. Go do a thing. Go love something so much. Commit to something so profoundly that it pulls you out of your comfort zone and into faith. Because that's where miracles live. I know you're hungry for some kind of answer, some kind of breakthrough. We all are. But God is hungrier for you to find it. So all you got to do is take one step. All you got to do is start. And everything else gets set free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph. And I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this Sunday lesson. And also for taking the time to apply this in your life. Listening to the service and participating in that way is just half of the equation. The other half, and in some ways the most important half, is what you do about it. So I'm so grateful that we're hearing so many good things from people who are applying these principles in their lives to make their lives better and in some way to make their world better. And with that in mind, I want to remind you that this Easter series of lessons has all kinds of special things you can do to get ready for Easter, to get done with the stuff that you've been waiting so long to get done with, and to move into a life that works for everybody. And to do that, we've been uh, allowing all kinds of extra stuff, not just the Sunday morning lesson, but we've got activities for you to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as well. To find out more about these things and their simple steps that you can apply in just a few minutes that's going to turbocharge your healing and growth process. It's going to really be impactful in your life in all kinds of ways. To find out more about that, please follow us on social media. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. YouTube and so on, please find out about what you can do. Or just send me an email at info at waterandstonechurch.com. Check out our website, waterandstonechurch.com, to find out more about the amazing things that are going on that are going to make an amazing difference in your life. 
As always, if you want to help support what we're doing, uh, all you got to do is visit waterandstonechurch.com slash donate. There's all kinds of ways you can give electronically or you can shop at Amazon in such a way that it benefits the church. We've got an Amazon wish list of all kinds of stuff that's going to help us do what we want to do. And the last thing on that page is what I want to be the first thing in your heart, and that is to support this church. The best things you can do are show up, and help spread the word. So if this has made a difference in your life today, I hope you'll tell somebody else about it too. We're here for you at Water and Stone. Let us know how it goes for you. Have a great, amazing day.